Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Broadway Podcast Network presents Giants in the Sky How Sondheim and Lapine Went into the Woods with me, Ben Rimmelauer. Today's guest, Lauren Mitchell, the original Lucinda. Once upon a time. Lauren Mitchell created the role of Cinderella's stepsister Lucinda in the Old Globe and original Broadway productions of Into the Woods, as well as the American Playhouse broadcast on PBS. She most recently returned to the show as the stepmother in the acclaimed City Center Encores production, having previously produced James Lapine's revival of the musical in 2002 and the national tour of the innovative Fiasco Theater Company production. Her other Broadway-producing credits include Matilda, Jersey Boys, A Bronx Tale, Summer, The Farnsworth Invention, Urinetown, Wrong Mountain, High Society, and the most recent revival of Jesus Christ Superstar. Her other Broadway acting credits include Nine, Me and My Girl, The Boys from Syracuse, Annie, and the L.A. Company of City of Angels. She is currently Executive Vice President of Content for Broadway's Dodgers. I was already what what we refer to as a maven, you know, a Sondheim Mm. maven, um, because I I never imagined when I began... pursuing this that I was ever going to be ending up in musical theater but if I was going to do musical theater that was that would be okay I just I sang because it was a less uh uh subjective thing than than you know you you have to have as many um tools in your toolkit as you possibly can so I sang and then um more doors seemed to open on that path than others but if you uh, even looking back on some of the roles that I I did I was never a musical comedy you know, kind of person. But for me, um, I remember uh, my parents, uh, I grew up in California, Los Angeles area, and um, they too. went to see, <laughs> oh, you did? Where, where are you from? Uh, Sherman Oaks. You're from Sherman Oaks, where my brother lives now. Although technically he's Sherman Oaks, uh, I think some snobby friends of his will say he's Sherman Oaks post office, really, because he, it was Van Eyes until recently. That so. was me too. We were nine one four zero one, but uh, but my brothers, my brothers in real Sherman Oaks, but we were we were uh, Sherman Oaks post office. Yeah. Uh, where did you go to high school, Lauren? Well, I went. To, I I grew up in Los Feliz, and for high school only, my family moved to Newport Beach. Um, long-winded story, as short as possible. The school that I was going to, was at wasn't good. And then the high school wasn't going to be good. So they just sort of thought, oh, it's pretty there. Let's go. But they couldn't stand the politics there. But I had a fantastic experience there. Yeah. Um, and then they moved They moved back and, and um, mostly lived between uh, Las Vegas, Laurel Canyon, in, in those areas. And my, my brother and sister ended up at uh, Fairfax and Hollywood High. So, um, but anyway, um, but they went to see Follies. Mm. Um, and, and I, that was the first I'd heard of who that was. And then when I was in high school, they had a friend who was a wonderful, um, pianist, but he, he, he was not a pianist professionally. It just was an avocation. And, and he freaked out over little night music and mm. was playing all this stuff from Little Night Music and, this, you know, talking about everything's in waltz time and all that. So I, oh. and um, so 
it already was in my head, you know, that, and, and then when I went to school that people just, he was already somebody that we all admired. And, and the, the turning point for me in terms of determining that it was okay to be in musicals was I saw Sweeney Todd mm. and, and then that's, that's it. So skipping ahead to Sunday in the park with George, um, I was in New York and it was an absolutely devastating experience seeing that and just I mean I get a lump in my throat thinking about it now it just was massively impactful and um just you know no words I don't need to say them because I'm sure you've had other people far more articulate than I talk about it but so so to be in to to have the opportunity to audition let alone be in um, their next collaboration was a huge and massive uh, deal. And I didn't know, I knew there had been a reading or something at Playwrights of it, you know, but more than that, I knew nothing. And and this was pre-internet uh, day, so you wouldn't have, there would be no way of knowing that there was something percolating. And then the first I heard of it was actually to get to audition for it, for mm -hmm. the Old Globe. Um, and so you know, as I said, just the fact of being able to audition was was already kind of like, oh my God. And um, I'll just tell one more story about that. And that I, I had been in nine, I played Claudia. If you go to Lincoln Center, I'm on the recording. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> um, I'm on the recording of Annie also, because they waited till, I was in it the last year it ran and that's when Lincoln Center finally got around to filming it. But anyway, so, um, so I, you know, it was my song, I performed it. And and I I came in and for all I know Paul Ford was playing I don't know um, and I got so far I didn't even sing a note and the introduction um, Sondheim uh, ugh, I cannot hear that I can't hear that was that and, unusual way is that yes yeah. yes it was an unusual way and so so it was sort of it wasn't necessarily <laughs> downhill from there but it was like, oh, no. anyway. So yes, it was a very, very big deal, huge deal to me. And I mean, the, this is, I mean, I, this is a fun <laughs> fact about song. I mean, was it, was, do we think that he didn't like that specific song or was it like a played out audition song? Oh, I'm sure it was just played out. I'm yeah. sure it was played out. I, I couldn't then say, yeah, but I played the part. No, right. I, I'm no. sure it was that. Well, you know? it's, it's it was, there. I, it was yeah. your song on Broadway. I mean, it's not like you were just some girl singing Defying Gravity or something. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> but, but, but it was like, I wasn't in there, you know, 10 seconds. And that was the first thing. I was like, oh. Do but you remember happily, what you sang instead? Um, I, I actually, I might, maybe there was a comedy song I had. I probably didn't get through that either. Um, yeah. I did, I used to do this twisted take on Mad About the Boy and I might have done that. Mm. Um, and, but I do remember that then, I was asked to kind of do silly things. And so uh, I, I kind of remember that. Um, but what I sang second, I, I repressed or, or, yeah. or, or have forgotten. But I do remember having to do, you know, do uh, read something and have a physical uh, twitch or various kinds of things you might layer on. And I think they were trying to push the limits of, 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 uh, of comic potential. Mm. Um, so anyway. And do you, um, so then you got the offer. Yes. And um, to go, I assume you guys rehearsed in, in New York, I think, is that right? We did. We rehearsed yeah. um, in New York um, at, 
is it what is that i don't i want to say it's not west west Beth? yeah down like near the river and yeah sure um and we slept down there and uh we were down there i want to say three weeks or something yeah i think before going out to san diego now with nine had you done any of the kind of developmental no prior to broadway no no i was a re- i was an early replacement oh okay nine. yeah um, so i wasn't there and and ha- had you done any new musicals before this no, no. Actually, that's not true. I had done, I don't even remember the name of it. Something that had, it. it, it I should remember, but I don't. Um, but it was like a small limited run at fill in the blank theater off Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have a big part, but we okay. learned music a lot. So no, this was, this was a brand new experience. And we're like, I, you know, as a Sondheim maven, I, I don't even, you know, I mean, I'm maybe I've read James Lapine's wonderful book, putting it together last year, which was so, um, I mean, honestly, wet my appetite partly to do this podcast, but I'm curious, like at that time, he had not written the book yet. What, did you have an awareness of what they'd gone through with Sunday in the Park and the new, or, or of other new musicals that had been developed in the, you know, the famous stories of- no. Was that no, clear? no, because it was um, the, the the notion of um, uh, of developing shows in this way. I'm trying to recall um, if Big River had already happened. It had, right? Yes, Big River had yes. happened. Yeah, after and, right. And if I'm not mistaken, Big River was not, if not the first, one of the first. Um, shows to be developed at a not-for-profit theater prior yeah. to coming so yeah. so this pathway was new i mean I, I um i think it was still an era where um people were doing out-of-town tryouts right you know so um or they were just coming in cold mm-hmm. and uh or there was a workshop and it came yeah in, you know like the with nine and um I can't think of. I'm sure there were a few others, but but the but the notion of developing work in that way was was new. Um, but for there were what uh, you would know as well as I. I think a lot of people were doing workshops, but not yeah. not necessarily doing a developmental. What we I don't even think the phrase developmental production was was something that right. was common in the vernacular at that time. Yeah. Either. I think maybe were there maybe sort of accidental examples like Man of La Mancha or Annie where they were at a regional theater. Right, and, at good speed. Yes, I think you're right. Accidental examples. But but it wasn't like, with this kind of, you know, what do we call enhancement money and, and right. like tension of, of pre-Broadway production. Right. Right. Exactly. And yeah, was I, there, did you have that awareness as an actor in 1986 that that's what this was? Yes. Yes and no. Yes and no. I think we all certainly expected that it, it that we were doing this and and but I think let me refer, I think there was an expectation that this would move forward, but there wasn't an understanding that it would move forward. Yeah. If it you know there it's like don't count on it kind of a thing. Uh, there was no question. I would think anybody would have thought it's Sondheim and Lapine. It's going to go somewhere, but. Um, but the path had not been defined yet. The timeline yeah. hadn't been defined. Not, there were no, no one had any sense of future commitment after that or and even I, during. As actors, did you have like refuse, first refusals in your contracts or anything? Or No, no, they didn't have that then. I mean, so was it I like a think. standard like Lort contract or however many hundreds of dollars you made? Or right. What? 
if memory serves, I mean, I don't think it was that much later that 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 it was uh, implied there is a provision for people to have a first rider refusal, which yeah. doesn't really mean much. They right. or a buyout. Yeah. So maybe there was that, but I think again, you know, I'm only saying that with benefit of knowledge I've gained later, yeah. um, as opposed to what I knew then about what what the rules were. I I don't think we had that expectation. And also as an actor who at that time, you'd been on some national tours, which yeah. I, you know, production contracts and was yeah. great for you financially at that time. Was this, were you thinking this is a sacrifice? I'm going to make this. No, heck no, no. no. Uh, I, um, that was going back to what I said earlier about, I, I couldn't have imagined that my seminal work as an actor would have been in production contracts on tour or on right. Broadway. I just, I mean, so I skipped the whole part about, you know, being in the basement and doing something just for the sheer art of it, you know. Mm. So, so I was thrilled to, oh, to do great. something new, and and it wouldn't that didn't matter at all, you know. Happily, didn't matter at all. And so. uh, and and just one more thing on that before we get into San Diego, like, what did you have any inclination in that time that in the future you would be interested in producing? And that no, no, I I, I knew. Um, when we were putting the show together in New York, because the stepsisters are also two reasons. One, um, um, I was covering the baker's wife. So I was in rehearsal, you know, so if you weren't actually in a scene and if you were covering somebody, you, you, you were in rehearsal watching. Yeah. Um, and then um, when we were in t uh, 10 out of 12 um, and in previews, I, I was out in the house watching a lot and I was and I found the process fascinating so I think mm -hmm. that that was the first opportunity I had to see um how shows are put together mm -hmm. and and how decisions that are made um impact you know the next day and and yeah. and just seeing the immediacy of, of that kind of work and then it was years later which we may or may not discuss today that I realized it's it's not only those decisions but sometimes success or failure of shows can be based on decisions that are made years before actors are a part of it. Yeah. Um, so, um, but uh, certainly the process of, of, of being a part of Into the Woods was a, mm. a seed planted. Yeah. So, okay. So the, there's three weeks of rehearsal or whatever it is down at the West Beth. And yeah. at that point, were, were, did you understudy the, did you cover the Baker's Wife also in San Diego or had that? I did not. I didn't. Um, I didn't. I don't know who did. I think Kay McClelland, who yeah. played at, in, yeah. Yeah, in, in San Diego. Um, you know, I don't really remember if we, yeah. if they, if they had us covering or if they had people there doing it, but I know that uh, Kay played Rapunzel also. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. So she played um, Rapunzel and the stepsister. And I don't remember if um, Rapunzel appeared when she appeared in the first act, but I know that we had to kill off. Florinda had to be lost to the giant <laughs> because she had to be Rapunzel in the second act. Is that necessity, the mother of invention? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, were, were those kind of, were changes being made already at, in rehearsals in New York before you even got to San Diego? I'm going to say probably. Um, we went to San Diego with very little of the music music written or if not written we didn't have it let's just say yeah. 
um, uh, we went there without second act music and, yeah. and the music kept rolling in while we were out there. Mm. Um, you know, for, I, I'm so sorry that it's a long time ago. And some of the questions you're asking, I haven't thought about like, I'm going to guess that yes, because James was always rewriting yeah. that we probably did, but I, I I couldn't tell you today whether they were big changes or small. I have better memories of things that happened later than well, I, I than appreciate then. everything that you're giving me. Uh, so, but did you, um, <clears throat> I, if you were having this experience of being in the sandbox and this was your basement that you'd been waiting for as an artist, did, did you feel that kind of energy in the company in general that people were, were sort of pumped to be discovering it together with the artistic team? Yeah, I, I think that um, it was it was a very talented and intelligent group of people, yeah. and um, so I seem to remember conversations. You know that that, that there were, um, yeah, I, I I would say yes. You know, and it, but it depended on who it was and 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 sure. which roles. You know, yeah. certainly more some people like Chip and Joanna might have more. Um, more to talk about or ask questions about yeah. than, than say, you know, Florinda and Lucinda, um, you know, at, at any particular moment in their journey. But but yeah. And and from that vantage point, um, as Lucinda and, you know, being able to watch a lot of stuff happen, did, did you have the sense of like, I don't know if you, you know, could have known how iconic the show would be or, you know, the life that it would have, but was there a sense of like, this is close, it still needs work here and there or you know what what was your experience of it like as a piece in that early stage um that's a really good question i i just have more of a sense of what happened later yeah but i i think i think there was a general sense of it was very it was serious i mean the the second act was very serious and um, I, we weren't privy necessarily to what the goals of what mm -hmm. the next, you know, what the writing was going to be. Yeah. Um, I also don't remember how long James and Steve were there, um, after we started performing there. Yeah. And I feel like there was new material added at the end of our run there but I, I'm not 100% sure yeah. of that um, yeah. if I feel like no one is alone was added very late but that could have been late in the two weeks or so after right. we started performing they was there or at the end of the run I, I don't remember which yeah. um no I, I think that I think we knew it was special and and um deeply felt mm -hmm. um but even on broadway to have been able to predict what which if we get there would i experience doing it at city center never in a million years okay. would i being a rock never <laughs> it was uh, that was unreal it yeah. is i'm sure it still is unreal but no yeah. Yeah. no we didn't have any sense of that then or any sense of it um even on broadway yeah now and talk, talk whenever, whether it was at the end of rehearsals or sometime during the run, when No One Is Alone came in, was that a, a sort of seminal moment in that process of, oh, okay, this is the the move on or, you know, yeah. what, 
that moment. It Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, there were things, but there were things in it that um a lot of things that um um I, I used to be able to sing it. I wouldn't even if I could, I wouldn't do it for you now. But the <laughs> witch had had um a song that we absolutely loved. Um and it was a jazz waltz. Um, it was boom crunch, but it was a completely other feel. And yeah. um, we loved it. It was our favorite. Um, and by we, I mean, Kay and I, um, and probably <laughs> others too, but, but, you know, but um, it, it was changed um, on Broadway. I don't, I think maybe to be more Bernadette vocally specific and Cinderella had a different song too. Um, so things like that got changed, but I didn't know, I don't know why Cinderella's song was changed. Yeah. I remember that, oh, that was good. This one's good too. You know, so those kinds of things happen. Um, can you ask me that question again? Because maybe I'm, I misunderstood. Well, that was interesting too. I, I'm curious just what, what, what no one is alone. It was no one is alone. I mean, obviously it's a, it's a beautiful and uh, emotional song that the first time hearing it must've been, you know, very powerful. Yeah in yeah. that context but I'm curious if that felt like a sort of um coalescing of you know did, did the show come into a clearer view for you or or you as a company even if you know in in when that happened was that what, what was the significance of that moment I think that it was an absolutely beautiful song and everybody wept when they heard it yeah. um and I think you know when you're in it the overall at least for me yeah. maybe um it, it's hard to step back and see what the arc of the emotional journey of the show yeah. is when you're in it sure. um because i didn't have the benefit of being affected by those things yeah. so i certainly could feel that the beauty of it and the power of it when we all heard it but not necessarily how i might feel if i was in the audience having been there through the whole journey to get to that you know yeah. um but um, there were, there were other things that like agony is a beautiful song. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and so to have it be so wildly and funny yeah. was, that was something that, that we, you know, that I remember being, uh, loving that, that the, the, this, this gorgeous melody was put to use in this, in this way, beautifully and perfectly, but, but, um, that, that kind of thing struck, struck me too. Um, the Baker's song, um, no more. Yeah, that that was a killer. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I I think that 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 what you're asking, I think, is something that at least speaking only for myself, evolved over time. Because when you're in it, and it's it, it it's different. You know, the rewriting of every every day and coming in for rehearsal every day, you don't have the the, the opportunity to really kind of step back, or at least my brain at that time did yeah. <clears throat> For the last time, I am not on Ozempic. I made one little joke on this podcast and everybody started calling me out, texting me, calling me cringe, whatever. I really was asked by people if I was on Ozempic and as I told them, I am not. 
I am just eating factors, no prep, no mess meals, okay? Warmer, sunnier days are coming. Fire Island season is here. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Make today the day you can kickstart a new healthy routine, what are you waiting for? With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. And kitchen time is kept to a minimum. They are ready in two minutes. No shopping, no prepping, no cooking, no cleanup. Enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or just simply to eat well-balanced. Head to factormeals.com slash giantsinthesky50 and use code giantsinthesky50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code giantsinthesky50 at factormeals.com slash giantsinthesky50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. I mean, one thing I guess I'm trying to understand, which uh, the sense I'm getting so far from the people I've spoken to is it doesn't seem like there was a drastic tonal shift in the show. It seems like every the work that was done from what I'm gleaning was all about refining and clarifying and delineating, but not really uh, making kind of big adjustments in what the show was about or, or what it was supposed to feel like or whatever. That sounds right. Yeah, I think you know, uh, as I'm sure you you know, without um, um, so forgive me if I'm explaining something that just seems so obvious. But the, but the best work is when all of that is integrated into one unified tone. Mm. And I, I think from the get go, Into the Woods always had that. Mm. And um, and what James wrote and what Stephen wrote, they they were of one one voice, if you will. Yeah. You know, there wasn't like a baton handoff at all, um, as evidenced by, for example, as I said, you know, places where we didn't have music, that there would be, James had written a monologue for a character, and then later that would be a song. But, but obviously it was what Sondheim's version of that monologue, but it was still all on the same, yeah. same tonal path. And I think that... Um, James' direction of the actors was very much of keeping everyone on that same path as well. Did because he, you could easily not. Yeah. You know, sure. I mean, we've all seen versions of it. Yeah. You know? We've all seen versions of, yeah. of it where, where people um, can be wildly all over the map in terms of how they're playing, but we were all in the same world. And I think that the, there was very much um, a, a focus on doing that. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, I, I know that um, part of, I think, what's so, I don't know if the right word is romantic, but about the Sondheim-Lapine collaboration and, you know, Sondheim coming, you know, at in to Lapine in this moment after Merrily flops and, you know, being 
could have been at the end of a long career. I mean, he had all these great successes and I mean, he was not an old man, but he'd had yeah. plenty of hits and, um, and to have this completely new, different uh, partnership, you know, and here they are coming on at, on the heels of this great success with Sunday and the Pulitzer and all the great press and, you know, at least within the industry, so much uh, admiration. Um, was Lapine a different kind of uh, director for you to work with, having been in, you know, more traditional uh, Broadway type scenarios? Um, yes, I think so. Because he's also the writer. He's yeah. also the author. Um, and he has such a strong visual storytelling sense. Mm -hmm. So he's got such a great eye. Um, and and he's very intelligent and, and ready references of, of, um, of things that um, are not necessarily what you might talk about if you're... Um, I don't want to, you know, disparage other kinds of work, but but it just was at a different yeah. kind of intellectual plane. Sure. And I think that was true of pretty much all the people that were in it, mm. you know, too. Mm. Um, and I was, I rem, I'm reminded too. It, I don't really know where you want to apply this, but but he referenced um, the uses of enchantment. Yeah. Um, Bettelheim's book. Bettel, yeah. Right, and so. I may be wrong about this, but the the nature of fairy tales and how they are in all cultures and how they answer fears and so forth. And I think the thought of creating this other fairy tale to to speak to whatever the collective we were feeling at that time. Yeah. Um, so that I think at least that was something I remember permeating for me. Uh, one thing I had said to James Lapine was that I felt. Um, having seen Into the Woods so many times and so many incarnations over the years, seeing it at, uh, at City Center and, and then again on Broadway, that for the first time, the second act didn't feel so dark to me. You know, there's so much that's apocalyptic about the world today, sadly. And it, it that they, but in a way it made Into the Woods feel very immediate and relatable in the second act. And um, he seemed to... Um, sympathize with that but he also pointed out you know all the resonance that that people felt with the AIDS crisis and and other things uh yep. original was that something that was uh being talked about if not as part of the process then just kind of alongside it as it was coming together um, yeah this this is a, a question that particularly when they did it at city center that um that uh has come up in the same way for example, when we did the revival, 9-11 um, had just happened. Right. And um, we also happened to um, co-produce uh, the fiasco production. Yes, I love uh, The too. national tour of that. I didn't which, know that that you were involved yeah, with that too. Which I love. But yeah. we, we started, that production started performances in Washington, D.C. in uh, uh, uh December of 2016. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so, you know, when I went down there and I, I don't remember who had recently passed, but when I went down there to see it and I got there and all the flags in the Washington Monument were at half mast, mm. you know, and it just felt like they're at half mast for the country because it's yeah. just bad. Um, yeah. But, but, um, but certainly it, it, and I think the best way to describe it is that 
you know, how many plagues did Shakespeare write during the plagues? And, but none of them are about the plague. Right. And yet the audience going to see them has that, you know, it, it, it's a context that's inescapable and people bring to that what they're watching, whatever the world they're in. And I think that that's absolutely true um, for what was happening in the AIDS uh, crisis at that time. Uh, absolutely, you know, something that was mentioned but doesn't need to be highlighted or even discussed because it is it was, you know, part of our world at that time. 9-11 was slightly different. Um, there were, um, I think, it, um, and James is a better person to ask about this, but he, he did look at the giant death in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that the fiasco production made any uh, changes yeah. with respect to what was going on with, with he who shall not be named. But, um, hey. but I will say, but I, I think, but then it came up, you know, we were doing, sitting around the table with Lear on the first day and, and Neil Patrick Harris asked, you know, the tone of the first act is so farce, you know, do we need to be looking at that in order to be able to give um, uh, true storytelling to the second? Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think the answer is yes, but I do think that that there is some tempering of, of, of truth that needs to be told in order to have the truth of the sure. second. Um, at the same time, however, maybe this is the into the woods that people need right now. Yeah. You know, in that yeah. respect. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think you still get the messages that you're supposed to get from it, but it isn't as dark. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's funny you bring up Shakespeare because I mean, I, I think of Shakespeare often <clears throat> in terms of Sondheim, you know, that a hundred years from now or 200 years from now, will all these shows be just kind of throughout the culture in the way that Hamlet and Macbeth and, and you know, um, Midsummer Night's Dream and everything ha ha are. Um, and I'm curious what it was like being uh, a New York theater actor and then being in San Diego and doing this show of of of, of Sondheim's. Did, were you watching the audience? Were you feeling like they were? Were, were you as were, were you satisfied by the audience at that time? In in the in San Diego? Yeah. Um, well, they were all subscribers. I don't remember. You know, yeah. I I yeah. just I remember that the 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 show might have been a little overlong. I remember yeah. that. Um, but I honestly don't, we, we were so immersed in what, you know, we, it was, a, it was a, it's a long process because we were in rehearsal a lot. And, um, and I think it was lovely to be in San Diego when you had the time to go to the ocean and things like that. But, yeah. uh, but I, I, I don't remember the audiences yeah. really, um, particularly. And also the old globe audience then is probably not the same kind of audience that, that goes there now. Um, yeah, I know that's a really interesting question because I've done other shows in collaboration with La Jolla and you wonder, gosh, they love it here, but will they will that translate yeah. to New York or vice versa? Or will yeah. this only work in New York? Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't remember there being a fundamental difference, to be honest. And then when it was over and you came back, do you, do you remember a waiting game? I know there was another workshop before Broadway. Yes. What was that yes. all about for you? Um, well, so we all went our separate ways. I think, I don't remember how long we went our separate ways, but um, there was no definite 
uh, timetable or plan, um, but slowly but surely, um, sort of word, you know, trickles around and I had to come in and meet, but I wouldn't say it, it was, I, I don't know if it was an audition or, or not, but let's just say for the lack of, you know, I, I didn't have an offer, so I suppose it was, um, and I had to read some of the baker's wife, but it was otherwise lovely and never, it didn't feel stressful. So I'm going to yeah. assume that I was probably going to do it. And it was just a question of, was I going to do that too? Right. Um, and so that would have been, let's just say beginning of the summer. And then we did a workshop that was dedicated to exploring the end of the show mm -hmm. because there was, and, and um, you're going to ask me what we were exploring and, but there was, because I think it got changed a number of times within the workshop and then got changed on Broadway and then was changed again for the tour, you know, there were, and then when we did the, the revival, um, like is the is the baby is is the baker's baby the narrator right you know does it become so I think there was a lot of of that you know how to end it um and so that we did that um obviously by the time we were doing that workshop we knew we were going to Broadway and we had dates for Broadway because it was it was meant to be something that you did and then they took a break uh I think to address any more rewriting and then we went into rehearsal proper after that so it wasn't that long but, you know, I suppose not knowing, I wouldn't say it was torturous, but because it wasn't that long, but, but, but definitely uh, leaving the old globe and not knowing what was happening uh, was true. And I'm sorry, I meant should have asked you this already. Were the Dodgers involved at the old globe? Yes, um, I think, yes. So Michael, my husband, partner, whatever, all of the above, um, was the exec producer and and then Dodgers also were managers of it. And but he was and not so, your husband yet then. No, we no. were married to other people then. Is is that where you met? <laughs> yes, I'm just getting my uh, some water. Um, yes, but but you know as I said earlier about John Lyons, I I I didn't know who he was. You know, <laughs> oh yeah, you know, <laughs> producer. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah. I mean, um, the people I, that I most recall from that era, from, uh, from the producing side, were um, Rocco Landisman and Heidi, mm -hmm. um, Heidi Ettinger. Sure. Yeah. And so, so Heidi was there every day. Yeah. And then, so then they were involved, obviously, in that workshop where, where you did the different endings. And, and was that workshop with the cast from the Old Globe still? No, that was, um, and most of the people, many of the people from the old globe went forward um but it, no that was with the people that ultimately were were the broadway cast In, and but not bernadette bernadette did not do the workshop that that was betty buckley in that workshop yeah. and she had done the workshop before and maybe you weren't even i i i only learned this recently that yeah. there was this i knew there'd been this thing at um as i mentioned um at playwrights and um and I think she was in that so I don't know what transpired because Ellen Foley was at the old globe right and then when we went into rehearsal for Broadway it was Bernadette do you remember the any anticipation I guess there was a reading that Bernadette came and did uh like uh I believe it was with all of you like right before 
like just as she was accepting the part, she did like a like a one day. Maybe she was like you know kind of still learning it, but everybody else had already done the workshop. Honestly, I don't remember that. Yeah. I so don't in your that. memory, it was Bernadette came in the first rehearsal. That was the yeah. yeah, yeah. And was, was were you excited about that? Mm-hmm. I mean, that she had bringing in that Sunday in the park. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, and also just she's the loveliest yeah. human on the planet. Right. Um, so that kind of energy was, you know, immediately welcome and apparent. Um, sure. So yeah, no, everybody was pretty excited for, for, and obviously she has, you know, she did have that, does have that history with, with them. And, um, although this was the, uh, the main, the other component, I mean, it's crazy to even imagine that that pre, pre this, um, and, uh, was, was I know there was still a lot of rewriting going on in, in that process. Did did the bulk of that happen not until previews, or did you feel that there was new stuff coming in throughout? No, uh, yeah, I think the majority of of uh, they did a ton of work between Old Globe and and New York. Um, there was there were things that we worked on. Well, as I said, Bernadette got a new song in previews. Um, at, at one point, and I, I, my, I don't remember when there were three little pigs at once, but I think that might have been at the Old Globe and they got caught yeah. at the Old Globe. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, I don't recall there being um, major reordering or rejiggering of things right. like the, 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 the order of, of events remained the same and there was a, a lot of, of, of fine tuning and finessing. The biggest change that I can remember, although other people that you'll talk to because they would remember the biggest changes that affected them. But wow. we we worked we worked hours and weeks on um, what I don't think it was called Second Midnight, but it was Second Midnight. It was in the Second right. Midnight, but, and and it was a song sung between the parents and the children, and it it was very long and complicated. And if if you were to to tally the amount of rehearsal time dedicated to this, you would have thought it was the most important thing in the show. <laughs> um, and um, we did it at one, we did it at the invited dress and it was gone immediately. Wow. And that was it. Because it didn't- There's a recording ahead, from that. Um, really? Some bootleg yeah, recording? Because, and some of the music I knew because it was themes from other things. It well, was and also the expanded children will listen that Sondheim tweaked, like I think for Barbara Streisand first and the other people have sung it, had <laughs> extra verse or bridge or whatever it is. That it, sounds right. That. Yeah. Like, how do you say to a child in the night? Yes, 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 yeah. yes. It comes I back. Mean, it, it was weird hearing yeah. the crazy bootleg and then going, oh, wait, I, I know <laughs> um, No. So that's hilarious that that was the um, yeah that was it hours and hours and hours and and that was it cut yeah. in its entirety like yeah. completely cut but it served no purpose really because right. um it didn't move the plot forward at all and it didn't tell us any more information that we needed to know but anyway so. well I mean was that I you know in my Sondheim and Lapine and then Into the Woods, it's also sort of um, like vaulted in, in, you know, certainly in my mind, you know, it, it, as opposed to most shows, you know, I've been 
a part of where, you know, there's just a lot of, you know, even the successes kind of actors and everybody else hanging out in the hallway and outside smoking and <laughs> complaining about this and yeah. the team doesn't know what they're doing and they should have of cut course should, yeah it wasn't like that it was a human like that or was it of course it yeah. was absolutely uh, particularly um on um uh the part of Kay and and myself I don't want to throw <laughs> joy in there but because okay. we were in those bloody corsets that were yeah. so uncomfortable and um so we had opportunity we weren't allowed to go to our dressing rooms either so that in in and um so it felt like hours in between but but really it wasn't but it, it always felt that way so yeah of course you had plenty of time to say why isn't this cut why is it you know we would be like the the Muppet critics in the in, yeah. the, in the box but um <laughs> well I, I like I like the um the glamorous uh uh female incarnation of those critics um <laughs> Would, was that, that um, were, were there things that to this day you were like, oh, you know, I, I, I wish that uh, this thing was still there or that was cut instead or, you know, were, were there any um, Lauren Mitchell? Uh, no, edit nothing that I did. No, we were, we were, um, uh, no, I, I would love to hear that jazz waltz song again sometime because it, it was just so great yeah and it may not have been called boom crunch i i i'm embarrassed i have a i had a cassette recording of it yeah. and um but but no i don't think so i don't think so um and then you know the making of the thing is so different than the running of a thing and yeah. um uh well i'm i look forward to you talking to paul Gimignani. i'd love to hear what he has Say. I'd be very interested uh, to hear some of the things that Paul Ford had to say, but but yeah. a lot of what what was wonderful was I mean we spent a tremendous amount of time on music, tremendous yeah. amount, and and that was one of the revelations for me when I did City Center, thinking I knew it when I didn't, you know, wow. and remembering wow it, this is really hard, it's really really hard, um, even in an you know, I knew it, um, but I'm in another track, and that track and I used to make fun of k because k i mean not k of joy because joy is yeah. always counting constantly counting yeah. and then then i had to do it and i knew why she was counting because it was so rhythmically hard it, and yet when you listen to it it's them harder than lucinda's yeah well because the stepmother comes in first and and, ah. and and they're and they're not but it's not only true of her character it's true of pretty much all the characters that the vocal lines and the accompaniment are not necessarily you don't mm. You know, it's not chord, chord, you know, come, it, it's very, very hard. And um, I had forgotten until I was doing it that I had benefit of the old globe and a workshop and a full rehearsal mm. process to learn it and to get it into my yeah. body. Yeah. Um, but so much of what I do remember about the learning process was how Paul taught the music and Paul Ford and some of the on the spot kind of vocal arrangements and things yeah. like that that were done, which were just fantastic. Yeah. Um, so all that was great. He was amazing. But just skipping ahead to the running of it, you know, then then Kay and I are raised on that many times was to see what we could do to make Gemignani laugh. <laughs> um, so, you know, they had so we found other things to, and to, how to do you besides have... criticize, you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> or what he would do it to us. Things that you would do to make. Oh, who knows? You know, just random things yeah. just um because uh i will say that um we we ought to have been reined in 
probably, but but we we did constantly find new things that were small enough to amuse ourselves and others, but not necessarily to steal focus. So, but that was the, I, I, if I told you they'd be like, you know, like particularly as blind girls, when we had canes and glasses, there was no stopping us. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. we're not that miserable <laughs> exactly <laughs> all of that um, uh and then what what about covering joanna like how what do you remember the first time you went on and, and uh those yes are, those, I, I do and i missed an entrance and was probably you know i i going to the rhythm thing i uh it was they, they were impossible shoes to fill and there were things that in her performance that i've never seen anybody be able to pull off yeah. then or you know or since sure. just she just uh was fantastic and just had such a spectacular um center and sense of humor and yeah. um was incredible so um but over time I, I I grew to really love doing it but in the beginning I, I probably was just so petrified and bad um <laughs> did you go on a lot Ultimately, I did go on a respectable amount. Yes. And and then Kay had covered also. So then, you know, like we would trade off on vacations and, mm. um, and, and um, so between the two of us over time, because then after, after Joanna left, then Mary Gordon Murray was there. And so, um, but. Did you um, stay for the whole run? No, I, I, I stayed a year. Does that mean that you had to then come back? a second time to when the video was being yeah filmed. yeah that was amazing um because we'd all left at different times a lot of us and um and there were a core group of people that were still there yeah. and like with all long-running shows they 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 grow they're you know things grow performances mm-hmm. shift all the rest of it but we all brought back the version of the show we were doing when we left mm-hmm. which wasn't the same as uh, some of other people so yeah. that was that was um that was kind of a fascinating process, but it was such a, I mean, it was great. I loved that and to be able to do that. Several performances, right? Yeah. And did you come back for a couple of weeks or just this? I think, yeah, we may have rehearsed for a week or two. Um, And then they filmed it over four different performances, but there were pickup shots during the day and all of that. I mean, going to your point about, did you know things would have, such resonance later I I could never have imagined that that recording would have yeah. the resonance that it has and how really? many people will say oh you know I'm in theater because I saw that and, totally um yep but uh um I think maybe Joanna who said this is sort of like trying to recover from a stroke because you're trying to remember what it was and it was um but I it was great fun to be able to do that and it was real you know joyous kind of experience to have yeah yeah and um did you at that time did you ever go see the show after you'd left to see any of the replacement casts or anything I I I don't believe so but I don't think it was a a function of not wanting to as much as I was either out of town doing something else or yeah um I don't remember doing it let's put it that way and so then I assume you didn't see the national tour anywhere or anything like that. Of that. No, but we got to see a run through of it before they left town. And, and in the run, um, James let each of us sit out and watch the show. Oh. Um, once. So I did get to see it. Um, 
Yeah. And it, that was a, a, a fantastic uh, experience too, just because the things like going to your point about, you know, complaining about stuff, the things you complain about, like, why are they allowed to, you know, you sit out and watch it, you don't even notice it. So, yeah. Yeah. And also, but also in the, in the plus column in a big way to notice how spectacularly good the show is, you know, and to be. Yeah. So. And how has that appreciation uh, evolved in the years since? Um, well, I think certainly working on the revival, absolutely being reminded of what a strong piece it is, you know, and, and, um, and then again, uh, then again, just most recently, just the power of it. Yeah. Uh, and its ability to affect people. And it, it is, it's, um, it's a marvel in that way. I, you know, you just, uh, when you're in, as I said, you know, when you're in it, you, you can't possibly imagine the effect it's going to have on people or, or what they're going to take away from it. And, and just, uh, just how strong the writing is, I think is, is, uh, and the, that it speaks to pretty much any time and anyone. Um, yeah. And that's why it, 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 it has this uh, longevity or one of the reasons anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I, other than just the, <clears throat> that quality of the piece itself, what was the difference um, in having uh, produced the revival and then also the tour of the fiasco production you mentioned compared to everything else you produced that you didn't necessarily create an original role in? Hmm. Do, do you feel that the, it, it, you, you're already ahead of the game as a producer on those or less less homework to do or something you know what's your what is the difference i well in, in a in a practical sense i already know how the show is put together yeah so um a big thing that um although each production is different sure. fiasco we didn't put that show together so um harder is that right it, um i i believe they did it at the mccarter then they did it at the roundabout with their core company right. and then when it went on tour um, it was, um, and I, I, I'm trying to recall if it was proscenium when they did it at the roundabout or if it was yes. a partial, I, was it was in, yeah. the, in the downstairs space? It was, yeah, so, so that wasn't a big change, but, um, but it was a change for them to, uh, to replicate what they created as a company on other people. Oh, but, I didn't but, realize it was other people. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, the two directors directed it, yeah. um, but they had been in it, you know, right. before. Um, but to suggest, I, you know, other than um, a knowledge of the show, I, yeah. I certainly hadn't, we had no role in, in what they created. So, so I had to learn their version by watching, yeah. watching, watching. Um, so I think certainly with the revival, knowing it, um, as someone who's been in it to know that this is the sequence of events. But that said, it was a very different production, you know, uh, visually and just what the, um, um, in particular, the, the, the context, as I mentioned earlier, of when we were doing it and, um, and just the shift in balance of, of the people in it and how certain stories take a different um, prominence. 
Um, so that was fascinating to see. I, so I think I'm ahead of the game in that respect. Yeah. Um, but I think in terms of switching the other part of my brain, which is the marketplace part of it, as well as the creating, yeah. you know, the, the production part of it, um, I think it was helpful, but not essential mm -hmm. to have that kind of intimate, you know, yeah. I, I think that, I think first and foremost, um, that having a passion for it, you know, that certainly um, yeah. is a helpful, uh, a helpful thing to have when you're producing something to be passionate about it. And so I think that for sure, because I've, I've done a few where I wasn't, you know, and you, you just are, which sometimes is good, you know, because then you have some sort of emotional detachment and kind of go, that doesn't work. Um, but um, no, it, um, yeah, I don't know what more I have to say. About that. <laughs> and how did your involvement in the city center production um, come about? I mean, was that just a phone call from from casting, or I mean, it was. Uh, it was. I got this email from Bernie Kelsey's office, Craig Burns, and yeah. um, and uh, followed quickly thereupon by a, a an email from James saying a heads up. Um, and just, it was a, a, the loveliest um, note saying, I think it would be fun if you, you know, I know you haven't been on the boards for a while, but if you would think about playing the stepmother. And, um, and it was connected to uh, the fact that Steve's recent passing and yeah. bringing the past into the future. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Lear at that time had a notion of intergenerational um, she had the the community chorus, and so I don't know if that had something to do with it too. But but the fact that um, just a, a bringing, I can't really say it better. Just the past into the yeah. into the into the present, um, and it was an, it was um, after I got over the terror of it, um, it was a very 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 meaningful and um, you know powerfully emotional experience to be. Um, hearing it with new voices and um, all of it and just sort of being able to uh, relive some of the memories of putting it together mm -hmm. um, and the people, you know, and I, I, I said to more than a few people that, you know, I, plus with City Center, you're on stage with the orchestra. So mm -hmm. to be able to hear the orchestrations that way every night um, was such a gift and um, that I would see ghosts, but, but in a good way, you know, yeah. see the ghosts of those performances past and and how that has carried forward was was really such an amazing experience and had you not performed the voice from Syracuse is that right that's correct I did a concert with Bernadette um where I think I don't recall what uh it was a Broadway cares thing that she did um that Kay and Joy and I um did a little step family thing with with Bernadette but that was that was I want to say 10 years ago wow. so no I hadn't done anything yeah I had to go to a vocal coach Mike Ruckles who did an amazing job reminded me that yes you still can sing so that was that was terror number one sort of overcome but yeah and then you know you you either go full in or you better go home yeah. so um, so um everyone was terrified so that was helpful too yes um because trying to put that show up in 10 days was terrifying <laughs> yeah. so uh so i was happy that i had a lot of fellow terrorized actors to work with and and we all kind of jumped in together
Did it whet your appetite? Do 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 we? No, no, <laughs> absolutely not. No, 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 no. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's very hard. Yeah. No. Also, you know, um, the hardest part, um, and it was actually even doing voice from Syracuse because I hadn't done. I'd already been producing for a while doing that. Is turning uh, my brain off. You know, turning the part of my brain that takes in everything to only focus on one thing. You can only do this one thing. Um, and so that was, um, that was a challenge. It's hard to, yeah. to turn a multitasking, constantly multitasking brain off, say no, because if you don't focus on just this thing, you will not remember what you're going to say. Um, but, um, but no, it's, I, I was so happy. It was like going to my hometown. I saw everybody had a great time, wished them well, <laughs> and then, you know, cheer them on, of course obviously went back to see it. I've been back to see it a couple of times and cheer them on. And that's been great fun too. I don't know if there's a revival in 15 years, they call you to play the grandmother. <laughs> right. right. That's it. I don't think I could top either Marilise or Annie Golden sort of doing an amazing, yeah. amazing job with that right now. So. Well, Lauren, this is such a treat for me. I'm really grateful for your time. Oh, not at all. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Giants in the Sky, how Sondheim and Lapine went into the woods on the Broadway Podcast Network. Look out for episode 17 with John Cameron Mitchell, Jack on the Demo Tracks. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.